0: Good morning. It's great to see all of you here at Crosstown today. Hope you're having a great day. It's a beautiful day in Charleston. Man, I love being here. From Boston originally, 36 years ago. Uh, But uh, I'm telling you, I've been baptized by the Holy Ghost and the Southern Spirit, and I'll never leave here. It's a great place to live. Well, I want to welcome you to our series called Framed, and we've been talking about how we frame events in our lives, we frame people in our lives, and then we're now into this place where we're talking about how we frame our concept of God in our lives. Um, over the last week, and the reason why I'm here today is uh, over the last week I've been dealing with some spine issues that I've had, and I've got multiple ruptures in my back, and. It, it really took a turn this week really bad where I was in bed for three days with ice on my back and um, it was pr- probably the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life and probably the most depression I've ever experienced in my life. I mean, if, you've, if you have this kind of pain and, and I have to see a surgeon and all this other stuff because i got something going on in my neck. And so the reason why I decided to be here today, even though I can't speak today, because last week I talked about the trustworthiness of God and if you didn't hear it if you haven't weren't here for it I encourage you um, I do okay I'm I'm an average communicator uh, preacher but last week was all God and so I encourage you to listen to it so I wanted to make sure that no matter what I was going through today, and some of you had heard that I was going through a lot of pain and issues, I wanted you to know that even though I had a rotten week, I still believe what I preached last week. I believe in the trustworthiness of God. I am not standing here because I'm some macho guy who's toughing out the pain. I'm a sissy to the core, absolute wimp when it comes to pain. I am standing here today because of the trustworthiness of God. So I asked Josh Luke to speak. If you don't know Josh, he's one of our men's leaders here at Crosstown. And I'll I tell you why Josh. And, and let me just tell you why Josh. I have been blessed with a, with a mentality and also with the gift of people at this church to surround myself with people who have the same ethos, the same character, and passion to know God and integrity with the word of God, but yet who do it differently. So today, you're going to hear about how to frame God, how to frame his trustworthiness and other elements of his characteristics, but you're going to hear it differently. And I think it's so, the reason why Josh is because Josh has a passion for God, and, and you're just going to hear it, but I really believe that he's got a word, not just for you, I believe he's got a word for me today, to encourage us to continue to trust in God and to follow him. So, you've come to the right place today. You're going to hear from God as God speaks through Josh. Thanks, Josh. Thanks. Wow. Um, hope I
1: live up to all those <laughs> kind words uh, from Paul. And if you don't know Paul, if this is your first time here, man, we are so blessed to have such a genuine, authentic pastor, gifted speaker. He, he's self-deprecating in, in every way, but honestly, check out his stuff. Uh, turn, uh, turn on the YouTube channel and, and take a listen. I know we don't know each other super well, even though you were kind of just introduced to me, but I'm going to ask you to uh, to do something today, and that's to trust me. Okay, trust me. All right. So I'm going to do something different, as Paul said. Um, you may never do this again here, <laughs> Sunday morning, but I'm going to ask you, and anybody watching at home, provided you're not operating power equipment, to uh, close your eyes. All right? Does everybody have their eyes closed? We're going to visualize this story that I'm going to read to you. It's a really quick story. Okay, release the dogs! Oh, man. So we have some some dog owners over here, obviously. We have some cat people over here. Uh, No, I'm just kidding with y'all. But no. You don't have to have your eyes closed. That was just a test. I I know you're listening and and I appreciate that, but really listen in. Okay, I'm gonna tell you this short story. I want you to visualize it like I said. Um, So let's do this. All right. There once was a little girl that couldn't have been any more than eight years old. She had medium length brown hair that flowed just past her shoulders and big beautiful brown eyes. She loved performing for her parents. Almost on a nightly basis, she would dress up and either turn on her favorite movie of the week or ask Alexa to turn on her favorite soundtrack and dance and sing at the top of her lungs until bedtime passed. Yes, Alexa is part of children's stories these days, okay. Um, One morning... She was dressed up in a new, beautiful, black striped dress, wearing long white stockings and black boots. She was positioned with her classmates at the front of her classroom. She was giddy with excitement, for she was preparing to perform the arrangement she had been working all autumn to perfect. Parents of each child began making their way into the classroom as the children smiled and waved nervously. She wasn't nervous, though. She was born for this moment. The parents finished filing in the classroom and sat down, readying their cameras. And just then a curious thing happened. The young girl began to turn red. She started feeling very alone, for her parents were not there. Okay, if you had your eyes closed, go ahead and open them. That was a terrible story. Let's just get that off our chest. You probably had some some thoughts about the parent if you were listening in close. I know I did. I have two little girls, but let's just file that away for a second, okay? Take a sip of your coffee, you know, if if you have coffee, and I want you to listen in really close this morning because I'm going to talk about the presence, the everlasting presence of God. And why the presence of God? You know, we're going through this frame series, and we have been learning about how God frames us, but why the presence of God? Because I think it is important to frame God rightly as well in our lives, right? Um, the presence of God has giant implications. It's not only for the believer or, or the person that has had a life-changing experience with Jesus, but also for somebody that's searching or, or hasn't made that decision to follow God. You see, because for the person that does know Jesus, the implications of the presence of God in your life is who we call our helper. Maybe you're familiar with the terms Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God. And what our helper does for the believer is he produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in our lives and in any moment that we find ourselves in. But for this person that's seeking, the person that hasn't, decided to follow Jesus. What the presence of God offers them is at any moment, at any time, at any place, it doesn't matter where you're at, you don't need a priest, you don't need a church, you don't need to travel to a faraway holy land, but right where you are, you can surrender your life to God. So my prayer today is that you will fully know that God has never abandoned you and that you have never walked alone in this life. Okay, so let's get into it. How many of you have heard of Habakkuk? All right, we have a few in here. All right. Well, Habakkuk was a Hebrew prophet, okay? Uh, He wrote um, some poetry inspired by the Holy Spirit that, is part of our Old Testament. It's three chapters long. So let's get our Bibles out and we'll read them right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not going to read all three <laughs> chapters. Sorry about that. <laughs> man, I have all the jokes, but y'all aren't biting, man. Come on. All right. No, he's, he's one of those guys that's not often talked about, hence, you know, the, the show of hands uh, being sparse. But um, I think that's on purpose today because um, God laid a couple others on my heart from the Old Testament, as it were, and they're people that might you might have never heard of, um, kind of in the shadows of the scriptures, I guess, if you can say that. Um, but I think that's a lot like us. We're just regular people, right, traveling through life, and then we run into... Uh, you know, twists and turns. So, we will read a little bit of Habakkuk. If you do have your Bible, it's gonna, don't worry about it, it's gonna be on the screen. Uh, His book starts like this, in Habakkuk chapter one, verse one. The pronouncement which Habakkuk the prophet saw. How long, Lord, have I called for help, and you don't hear? I cry out to you, violence! Violence! Yet you do not save. Why do you make me see disaster and make me look at destitution? Yes, devastation and violence are before me. Strife exists, and contention arises. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like Habakkuk? Um, maybe that your prayers aren't like getting through the ceiling. You need to go outside and raise the roof a little bit. God, are you listening? God, are you there? Just a little bit about Habakkuk. He was a prophet, like I said, and, um, and uh, he lived during the time of two superpowers. Uh, one was on the way out and another one was rising, uh, the Assyrians and the Babylonians. So he, li- he lived right smack dab in the middle of those two superpowers, kind of trying to take over the Hebrew kingdom of Judah, which was a southern kingdom. There's Israel, who was the northern kingdom, and Judah at the south, okay? Israel was wiped out by the Assyrians. The Assyrians had just laid siege to Jerusalem, or tried to, and God delivered a miracle, and they went back to Nineveh, which was the capital of their kingdom and uh, with their tail between their legs and uh, licking their wounds. And now Judah was beginning to rebuild the cities, the surrounding areas, but they were falling into the same cycle of sin over and over again that they found themselves in their entire existence, it seems, as we do. So Habakkuk is crying out to God, is beseeching God. But then in the midst of it seeming as God is never even listening, God answers Habakkuk. So we're filing a lot of things away. We're gonna file that one away. And like I said, I'm gonna take you to another person that lived uh, in ancient Israel. And that person... Is Hannah. She lived before Habakkuk, uh, near the time of, of King David, and Hannah was the second wife of a man, a Hebrew man. He had two wives. His first, his, his other wife, I mean, she was making it rain babies. I mean, she, like, literally very fertile, and she knew it, and she was giving it to Hannah that she knew it because Hannah couldn't have children for whatever reason. So Hannah was, was devastated. Uh, she, was, she was taking this abuse from the other wife of her husband. If that's not enough uh, mental or emotional abuse the way it is. Um, but she ends up traveling to church one day and... Uh, the priest is at the door and, and lets her in and she's weeping and just crying out to God but not making a sound. It's just her, her mouth is moving but in her heart is, is being poured out. Have you ever done that? Have you ever, have you ever been uh, so distraught or, or in such intense thought that your mouth is just moving but, but no sound is coming out? Well, this was Hannah, and she was probably pacing back and forth. That's how I visualize it, and just weeping, just tears, tears of tears, and moving her mouth. And so the priest is watching all of this occur. It's probably like looking from his side eye and thinking, okay... um, I'm going to have to uh, bump up on my sermon list uh, the sermon about intoxication because this woman is loaded. And it actually says that in Scripture just like that. You just got to get my version, okay? Uh, But anyways, uh, so he confronts her, right? He confronts her. She says, no, no, I'm, I'm not drunk at all. My heart is heavy. please have mercy. So he sends her on her way, but there's something that changes inside of her spirit. And I think it's that peace of God that that actually rushed in in that moment, because the scriptures say her countenance changed. She didn't look sad anymore. And in fact, her husband had been asking her, why are you so sad? Why are you so sad? And and so it was just all this weight on her. Like she wasn't supposed to be sad, and 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 just just an overwhelming sense of, of dread wherever she went. She ends up eating. And her story continues at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 2, in the, in the middle of verse 3. That's what I want to zero in on. Verse 3 says. Do not keep talking so proudly, and this is something that she ends up writing after she has a children because or, or has a child because that's what happened. She went home, her countenance changed. She had the peace of God in her heart. She went home. She she gave birth to a child, and she wrote this song of thanksgiving. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows. So we're starting to frame God now, right? The Lord is a God who knows. And by him, deeds are weighed. He's the God who knows. He not only knew who she was in that moment, he he didn't only know who she was when she was before him crying out in silence. But he knew her before then and he's going to know her in the future too just like he does us he's seen it all because he's always there and he always will be there there was another woman named hagar lived a little bit we're we're going in reverse here backing it on up to genesis there's a woman named hagar she was an egyptian she was a slave She ends up pregnant and um, the woman that enslaved her was, was abusing her, the scripture said. So she ends up running away. And as she's running away, she encounters what scripture says is an angel of, or the angel of the Lord. It's, it's important that we get that straight. The angel of the Lord. And why that's important is, is because in Scripture, whenever it talks about the angel of the Lord, I'm sure there's debate, okay? But typically that refers to what I would call a Christophany, or some, some people might call it a theophany. So the appearing of God in, in bodily form. The reason why I call it a Christophany is because I believe that Jesus was the, the bodily form of God, that was the form that God took on human flesh. And so I believe that he always was and always will be. Uh, So I call it a Christophany when these types of things happen. Sorry, a little tangent there. But this angel of the Lord says to her, Hagar, he knows her name, appears before her, knows her name. And then he goes into a round of Cotton Eye Joe. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Hagar! Serious! Come on, read it, all right? Read it, it's in verse eight. Y'all are gonna be like, your mind's gonna blow. You're gonna be like, that's Cotton Eye Joe! Shout out to my millennials and Gen X in the (laughs) crowd. All right, so let's pick it up. In Genesis 16, verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, you have conceived and will have a son. You will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard. Again, we're getting more information about who God is. God knows and God has heard. for the lord has heard your c- cry of affliction. So god actually sends Hagar back to where she came from where she was fleeing and gives her this blessing and this blessing was similar to A- the abrahamic blessing in fact he said that her descendants through Ishmael would would count the sand on the sea or the sand on the shore Let's jump to verse 13. In verse 13, we get a little bit more information. It says, So she called the Lord who spoke to her, the God who sees. For she said, In this place, have I actually seen the one who sees me? She knew. She just encountered God. I wonder how often I think like Habakkuk versus how I should think like Hannah and Hagar. Because the psalmist says this, he says, won't you ever learn? Do you really believe the one who formed the ear cannot hear? That the one who formed the eyes Cannot see. God sees you. He hears you, and He knows you. See, the problem for me is that God isn't on my schedule. You know, He does things in His time. I mean, I'm sure Hannah was was praying for years and years and years because her counterpart had many children and she had none. God doesn't operate on our time. He is the God who knows, though. He knows exactly what we need. So as I said before, I started weaving in and out of these these stories in the Old Testament. God answers Habakkuk. And, well, God answers him in a way that he doesn't really like. So, he talks back to God. And he says this, your eyes are too pure to look on evil, God. Now, wait a second. Okay, your eyes are too pure to look on evil? Okay, we, we know that God is the God who knows, God is the God that sees and he has heard. But there's this prophet in scripture saying, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. He's wrong. Can I say that? (laughs) Am I safe to say that here? He's wrong. Straight up. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. Because we literally just read that God sees and God hears and God knows. So, Habakkuk, you're wrong, my brother. God does see the evil that happens to you, to me. He saw the evil that Habakkuk was praying about. And he saw... The evil that he told Habakkuk was going to happen before Habakkuk responded like this. He continues: "Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, God, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent?" Well, he just responded to Habakkuk, "While one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself." I think, I think I might be like Habakkuk a little bit though because I think that whenever I go through things and, I'm, and I'm, I might hear from the Lord, I don't always like what I hear. Skip to chapter two, verse one, and he, he finishes up with this. I think... And let me just read it. I will watch to see what he will say to me, talking about God. I will watch what he will say to me and what I should reply about my complaint. I think he's, I think he's thinking he's like backing God into a corner and he just dropped the mic. Um, I mean, have you ever, would you dare to do something like that? Have you ever? felt like that before though? Have you ever had a great excuse on why God is wrong about what he asked you to do? I know I have. Um, my current job situation, it's, uh, it's a lot of responsibility that at a time I was, I was definitely seeking, um, in fact, I was, I was like a young go-getter, right? I, uh, I told my boss, um, one of the first meetings we had, I, I told him, I said, hey man, I'm, I'm going to have your job one day. <laughs> Straight up, told him that. I told my dad, hey dad, I'm going to make more than you made, make in a year. I mean, I was, I was kind of a hotshot to, trying to be one, actually. It was more faking than actually doing, but <laughs> I talked a big game. And so, fast forward in time, I actually get this job. But right before I actually got it, it was like, okay, God, I, you know, what I said before, I, I really don't want that. You know, I had all the right excuses. You know, I don't have time for this. I don't know enough. I'm too young for this. You know, all of that, all of those excuses and more. And in fact, I didn't even think I was going to get the job. I thought me and God worked out a good, good, uh, you know, agreement (laughs) that I no longer wanted this thing. But then it was given to me. And um You know, I I find myself in in a difficult place. There was another time when I was growing up. I was 11 at the time. We were at a, a prayer service. And my mom stopped breathing. She was praying at the front. She stopped breathing and... Um, we were kind of ushered out into the back and in a back room. I was praying, God, you can't take my mom. In fact, I was wailing and crying and banging my head against the ground even. And I was was telling God, no, God, you can't take my mom because I wasn't the best kid growing up. And we had just started to have a proper relationship it wasn't it wasn't my time to lose my mom so um, we followed the ambulance to the hospital the doctor came out and said she was gone so the prayer began to be god you've got to raise my mom but God didn't oblige. So we go through these moments in life where we don't really like the answer, I think. So God replies to Habakkuk in verses 2 through 20, and I, I will spare you, we will not read all of those. But I will read two verses, okay? Here we go. So in verse 3, it says, For the vision is set for the appointed time. The vision is set for the appointed time. He makes everything beautiful in its time. It testifies about the end, and it will not lie. Who is God? Is he like a man that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should repent or change his mind? No. Though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come and not be late. Look, his ego is inflated, He is without integrity. Who does that sound like? But the righteous, the righteous one, will live by faith. I think faith here is faith In the presence of God to take you through the mess of life that inevitably comes. It's it's a firm confidence in the presence and the trustworthiness of God. If He said it, He will do it because He never lies. And you know, Habakkuk wasn't the only prophet that had a problem with what God said to him or told him to do. Uh, there's a, a prophet by the name of Jonah. Are we familiar with Jonah? A root of bitterness sprung up in him and, um, and it gave birth to death and destruction in its wake. It's, it's not the child's story that you grew up with. Uh, watching maybe, I invite you to read it. Have you ever tried to talk God out of what he's calling you to do? Or maybe you're like Elijah. Elijah was another prophet. Gosh, he gonna take me through every single character in the Bible. Elijah was another prophet and uh, oh man, he's, he's tremendous. He's like, he's definitely one of my favorite in scripture. Um, he was on this mountain in the presence of God as we all are here today. And God passes by and there's this huge earthquake or there's uh, Sorry, there's a huge wind at first, right? And I mean, it's blowing rocks off this mountain. It's huge. It's blowing around. It's loud. It's blustery. It's life. God wasn't there, though. Then there was an earthquake. The mountain's shaking. And then there was a fire. Everything is burning up. But then there was a whisper. That's where God was, in a whisper. And I wonder how many of us this morning are maybe looking, trying to find God, trying to find our answer, trying to find the answer to our prayer and things that aren't God. And so God's being framed as something different than what he really is and who he really is and how he really interacts with his children. I want to take you back to the beginning story. Me and my wife are actually those parents, um, the parents that didn't show up, but it wasn't our fault. <laughs> um, our, her teacher actually had our email address wrong. So we didn't get any notification about the performance, but that actually happened last Thursday. I think Brady, I think he he videoed some of it. (laughs) Thank you, Brady. Um, But, you know, I have that excuse, right? I have the excuse and it might be a good one. It might be a bad one, right? Um, But some of us, I think, might have had parents that weren't present, that didn't show up many times and didn't have an excuse. And so we've begun to define God and his character by the people that have done the bad things to us in our lives. Let me tell you who God defines himself as. Jesus said it in these words, he who has seen me has seen the Father. I think some of us have also given up on talking to God. Just kind of fallen into some sort of spiritual slumber. Maybe because like Habakkuk, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And, prayed, and it just didn't seem like God was listening he was he was he was listening because he hears he was watching because he sees and he knew you and what you're going through so I hope like Jacob when he woke up from his rest. He said, surely the Lord God is in this place and I didn't even know it. My prayer for you today is that you experience the presence of God. You know, Habakkuk comes to this point at the end of his book. It's been maybe a little bit sketchy character so far. (laughs) Just say the least, just like me. But Habakkuk comes to this point where he trusts God fully, and no matter what fails around him, it says this in Habakkuk 3 17 through 18. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights." Those are his closing words. This was the man who said, God, you don't even listen to me. God, do it my way. And I think that that is the point. Whenever we understand presence of God the righteous will live by faith that unwavering that fully confident hope that fully confident trust and the presence and the trustworthiness of God our God knows he hears and he sees So I'd like to pray in closing. I know it's been short. I've warned the team, okay? <laughs> so let us pray together. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word was on my tongue, you knew all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the Eastern horizon or settle at the Western limits, Even there, your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold me. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor things present nor things to come, hostile powers, height nor depth, nor anything else created, has the power to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Because we serve a God, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. No, our God is awake. And the Lord your God is in your midst. He's a mighty one to save. He rejoices over you in gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He delights in you With loud singing. For it's He Himself who has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I want to invite you to stand up and let's sing together in full confidence.